in the ongoing battle between microscopic pathogens and their hosts, there's a new paper that comes out that says that plants actually poison their pathogens. Stick around for another episode of Short Stories Bacteria. actually a really really cool story about how there are certain types of plants that have the ability to essentially poison um, some of the microorganisms that try and colonize them and kill them um, we're going to jump into all that in a second but first of all i wanted to welcome each and every single one of you guys back to the podcast short stories of bacteria where we investigate the lives and lifestyles of the tiny and infamous that is the incredible and adorable bacteria. Um, I, as always, am your host, Dr. K. Thank you again for for joining with us today, hanging out with us again today. Um, if while you're, you're here, do not forget to hit that follow button. Do not forget to share this podcast with all of your friends and neighbors. Don't forget to give it a five-star review. This also helps with um, spreading the podcast around. So thank you so much. Now, let's talk a little bit about this, um, about this story. Um, in order to understand a little bit more about what's going on. We need to set the stage a little bit. Like, what are the types of microorganisms that we're talking about? What are the types of um, what are the types of plants that we're talking about? What is the what is the interplay between these two types of organisms? And a lot of that has to focus in on um, this thing called host pathogen interactions, right? So, how does a host interact with a given pathogen? And if you zoom in on that, there's a lot of really really cool science that happens there. There's a lot of just fighting that happens there's proteins flying left and right and then there's poisons and then there's explosions and infections and all these different things there's a bunch of really really cool science that happens at the level of host pathogen interactions okay now there's a whole bunch of pathogens there's way too many for us to talk about here Um, but there's one type of pathogen that you probably have seen before at some point in your life and that one's called botrytis whoa botrytis scenaria Botrytis scenaria, right? So this is a type of fungus, and it's actually the basis for gray mold. So if you've ever been trundling about and you opened up your fridge and then you looked in and there was a whole bunch of gray fuzzies all over a bunch of fruit that you have in your fridge, well, you're looking at botrytis scenaria. I'm going to call it scenaria from now on because botrytis is just tough for me to say today. Anyway, so that's your that's the basis. Scenaria is the basis for this gray mold. Now, the way that this mold goes about infecting um fruit cells, right? It infects fruits, other vegetables, all these different things, right? The way that it goes about infecting um, these different plants is really, really interesting, and it's really, really complicated. The initial thought for a good long while was that this these fungus cells, whenever they would come in contact with a some kind of host, right, they would shoot these kind of nonspecific enzymes, these nonspecific proteins that would be used to disrupt and break down the cell wall of the plants. Now, again, that was the initial thought, but it turns out that the mechanism of Sneria virulence is a lot more complicated. There's a whole bunch of different things that are all happening at the same time as Sneria goes about trying to induce virulence. Um, this includes things like there's what they can do is they can inject their little hyphae, which are like these kind of like little arms that just kind of get poked right into the actual plant cell. Um, they can have this protein-based virulence that I mentioned a second ago where you're you're shooting essentially a bunch of like toxic components that break down cell walls or break down cell membranes or go about just actually tearing apart the cytoplasm from um, just for the whole thing, right? So it just takes it all, all to pieces. 
right? There's another actually really, really interesting way where the Cineria organism can send instructions via like RNA or DNA, right? And what those instructions, what they'll do is they'll send these instructions to the plant cell and those instructions will be for the plant cell to essentially kill itself, right? By producing a whole bunch of toxic components within within its cytoplasm, okay? So there's a whole bunch of different ways that um, things like scenario or just more microorganisms like this in general, fungi like this in general, can go about trying to kill something like a plant cell. Now, plant cells, for their part, they don't just sit around. They don't want to just take this lying down. They actually have a whole bunch of really, really cool mechanisms that are used as a way of um, fighting off microorganisms. Now, we may have t- maybe talked about a little bit about this in, on the podcast in the past, but um, for example, plants oftentimes are really, really good at producing antibiotics. Like they're really, really good at plant- making antibiotics. You'll see naturally occurring antibiotics in things like garlic or lavender, things like this. So they're really, really good at making antimicrobial compounds. They're really good at making um, antifungal compounds as well. So the plants, they don't just want to die. Um, so they come up with these mechanisms as ways of killing the fungus as they're trying to get in. But obviously, gray mold is still really, really powerful. And to this point, there haven't really been any 100% resistant forms of plants that are able to withstand something like um, Botrytis cinerea. So that's very, very tough. Um, But at the same time, there are still a whole bunch of um, emerging technologies and emerging mechanisms that plants have been using as a way of stopping this gray mold. So I guess the fundamental question that we can have here is, are there any new types of tools that we can learn about that plants use as a way of protecting themselves against mold? And that actually leads into his really, really cool paper. Um, and that comes from a bunch of researchers out of, let's look and see here, Um, at the University of California, Riverside. Now, this group of researchers, they were doing a bunch of really, really cool studies, like I mentioned, focused on host pathogen interactions, interactions between this fungus and this other, um, this plant called Arabidopsis thaliana. Arabidopsis thaliana. Uh, Another word for it is mouse ear crest. Oh, excuse me, mouse ear crest. And it's basically just a kind of weed, right? It's a really, really good and common model organism for studying plant biology. So, Uh, I'll just call it Taliana for short. But what they found is that Taliana is actually really, really, it's very commonly under attack by something like gray mold. But even though it's constantly under attack from this fungus, Taliana actually has this really, really cool way of fighting back against, against this gray mold. Now, um, based off of all the things that we've been talking about so far, you would assume that maybe there's some kind of cellular response or maybe there's some kind of like explosion-y protein-type response from the from the cell, maybe something like an antibiotic, something like this. But actually, instead of this, um, for lack of a better phrase, like blunt force trauma type of uh, defense against this microorganism, Taliana actually does something that's really, really cool and really, really stealthy. And what it does is it takes something called a lipid bubble that's just like a a little bubble made up of little fats, and inside that lipid bubble, they put some instructions, some some genetic instructions. And these genetic instructions, right, what they do is once they get into the microorganism, right, what they can do is they'll trundle on over to the mitochondria of this microorganism and then slow down the mitochondria or gum up the works, whatever the case may be. Now, um, it's still unknown exactly what these instructions do specifically to target the mitochondria or if they specifically target the mitochondria more generally, but that's the current hypothesis that 
these instructions get dropped into the fungus, right? And then once they're into the fungus, then they target the mitochondria and then as a way of, and by stopping the mitochondria, which as you may know, is the powerhouse of the cell, um, by stopping the mitochondria in doing so, they at least slow down the infection, right? So that's the, that's the mechanism for how it works. But what's really, really cool is that you have to first answer this question, why is it that the fungus picks up this lipid bubble at all, right? There's no particular reason why it should take in some instructions that would damage its mitochondria, right? And that actually, that's an emerging question that's still happening right now. Now, there's a couple of different ideas as to why this could, um, why this could be taken up by the fungus, right? One big one is that a lot of times these little lipid bubbles can serve as nutrients, little pockets of nutrients. And so fungi can sometimes be trundling along and they'll run into a lipid bubble and they'll be like, ah, well, that looks delightful and nutritious and delicious. And so then they'll swallow up the lipid bubble and then eat whatever is inside of it. Now, what's really cool, and this is where it gets really, really neat, is that it's theorized then that the plant has figured this out in some way. And so that way it starts crafting these lipid bubbles and then putting these dangerous instructions that mess up the fungi inside the lipid bubbles. And so that way, when they start secreting these lipid bubbles out, they know full well, okay, this is a poisonous lipid bubble. And so they just kind of leave them out there. And then the fungi, when they happen upon them, they're like, oh, well, this looks like a little delicious bit of food. And they swallow it up and then actually poisons them at the end of the day. So just to kind of wrap up the overall arc of this, it looks it looks like in this battle between host and pathogen, when the pathogenic fungi is trying to kill this um, this Taliana mouse ear crest weed, right? It turns out that as a way of fighting against this, instead of just throwing a whole bunch of toxic enzymes and proteins and toxic other components at this fungi, instead what happens is the plants make this this kind of poisonous ticking time bomb Trojan horse-like thing that looks like something delicious that a fungi would want to eat, but instead it has instructions to stop the infection right where it stands. That's really, really cool. It's a really neat instance of of the back-and-forth nature of host-pathogen interactions. It's a really cool example of how, how plants are able to repel um, certain types of pathogens. And it's actually thought that using this mechanism, right, especially if this works well against such a common um, pathogen such as gray mold, it's thought that scientists in future could use something like this as a way of um, give, conferring resistance to certain types of crops, certain types of plants that we want to protect from gray mold. So it's still an emerging technology. We're still learning so much about this, but it's a really, really cool story and a really neat instance of how um, of how plants can finally fight back against a pathogen such as gray mold. So anyway, guys, um, I hope you enjoyed it. Hope you enjoyed this story. I hope you guys had learned something. Hope you guys had a good time. I, as always, had a wonderful time. So, again, super happy that you guys could join today. Um, Again, make sure to hit that follow button. Make sure to share this with your friends and family. And uh, I can't wait to see you all again next week on another episode of Short Stories of Bacteria. Bye.